0: everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about characteristics of cults and cult leaders, and how these characteristics can spread from typical commune-type cults all the way to Christianity and church leaders. Last week, my husband and I watched the new FLDS documentary on Netflix called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. Ah, disturbing much? Yes, very disturbing. Four episodes and shocking and horrible and just really, really messed up. And yet so much of it reminded me of my own experience in Bill Gothard's Institute. There were so many crossovers, things that The girls in the FLDS commune in Texas experienced, and also things that I experienced. Like it was trippy. My husband actually asked me at one point in time, "So who gave who the ideas? Like, did Warren Jeffs get these ideas from Bill Gothard? Did Bill Gothard get these ideas from Warren Jeffs?" And I'm like, you know what? I think it's just broken humanity doing broken humanity things again. Just have some crazy narcissistic guy who loves power and girls and. There we go. We are just in this awful, awful spiraling scenario once again. So, yesterday, as I was painting some doors in my garage, I got caught up on some of the bonus episodes of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. And I was once again reminded of this whole cult idea. And so, I looked up Characteristics of a Cult and Characteristics of a Cult Leader. And oh man, you guys, I was already thinking about doing some stories from the cult days this summer, just a few episodes here and there. And as I looked into these characteristics, and once again was reminded, yes, honey, you were in a cult, I just felt like I needed to go over these with you guys, and then we're going to jump into some stories of the cult days, just for the fun, kind of a little more lighthearted. We'll learn some things along the way, I'm sure, but you guys can hear some of the stories of craziness that I went through back in the 90s when I was in my teens and early 20s. So let's talk about cults. What do Warren Jeffs, Bill Gothard, and Mark Driscoll have in common? As I was doing some research and looking up different articles online, there was a lot of overlap of what makes a cult. And so I pulled out the characteristics that were overlapped and also that really just resonated with my own story and with the documentary that I saw. And I have a whole page, guys, a whole page of characteristics. First one is a charismatic leader. All cults have this charismatic leader who has just got this personality that can just pull people to them. They have words that are elevated. People believe their words to be like the words of God, and they collect this zealous, unquestioning, committed group of followers. Totally true in my case. The people who were obsessed with Bill Gothard truly believed that he had the words of God. Now, my family was always kind of fringe. My father was very skeptical. My mother bought in a little bit more, but like we were still pretty fringe. We didn't think that Bill Gotham was like God's spokesperson or his prophet or anything like that. And we were just, you know, thought he was just another guy and had some maybe some good ideas. And looking back, we're all like, nope, those were not good ideas. That was twisted scripture. But watching this documentary with Warren Jeffs, like they really and truly believe he's like this prophet from God who's speaking the actual words of God. And so he was able to go from being kind of like just one of many sons of the guy who used to be in charge of the FLDS to being like the prophet, because he was able to just take advantage of people who really and truly believed that there was a prophet who was hearing from God and just became this person you couldn't stop. And his words truly were the words of God, which is really creepy I don't think Mark Driscoll was quite to that level, but people definitely thought that he had a special handle on how to preach, how to share the word of God. He said things nobody else would say kind of a thing. And so there was this definite looking up to him and thinking that he was special and somebody different and that he had awesome things to say. So I think there was to a certain extent, the same kind of thing for sure. He was a charismatic leader who collected followers, So here's the next thing that's interesting to me that totally ties in across all three of these, is that in a cult, the followers have limited decision-making abilities. There are certain expected behaviors that they follow. The leader kind of dictates how members are going to act, look, feel, think, etc. And members have to give up some of their own autonomy in order to get something from the cult. And for sure, that was true with Bill Gothard. He had specific ways he wanted women to dress, specific ways that he, that he wanted you to do your hair, specific ways that you would avoid things like blue jeans or beards for men. So just some really weird things of how you had to look. There was also very specific ways that you were supposed to act and speak and think, etc. Totally resonates with my experience. Awful, awful experiences with the FLDS that I watched on this documentary. I mean, there was literally like three hairstyles women were allowed to wear. And at the end, when they were all in this commune in Texas and Zion, they were literally required to wear pastel colors. Like the girls could only wear these pastel prairie dresses. Like it's crazy. People are willing to give up so much of their own autonomy and free thinking in order to get something. And for us, we were supposed to be getting success and blessings and the secrets to the life that we wanted. And I mean, there's just it's crazy. But even Mark Driscoll, you look at the things he expected from them. He expected that women would not work, that men would work, that there was this hierarchy in the family. He expected just a lot of different ways men and women acted. And so it's just interesting to just see that, yes, this is happening all across this whole idea of cults from every experience, if it's a church or just an organization, cultic way of thinking or you actually have people living together on a commune. There's this us versus them mentality that we somehow are elitist and the rest of the world is not. In the FLDS, they literally call the rest of the world Gentiles. So like they they basically are like the, the chosen ones and the rest of the world are Gentiles. We called them worldly. They were the worldly Christians. They were the worldly world. And we were the righteous ones who were being holy and following God. There's this thing in a cult where you have to kind of pay for it you have to pay for something it's expensive i saw this in the documentary where they were forced to give money especially when warren jeffs was on the run from the fbi people were being asked to give like thousands of dollars to fund his flight basically and he was living it up going to disneyland and all kinds of stuff and people are just being forced to take on debt and all this kind of stuff to pay for him as he's running around the country trying to avoid fbi With Bill Gothard, I was like, well, we didn't really have to pay for anything. And all of a sudden, my eyes were open. I was like, yeah, we did. So there was a yearly fee to get our homeschool curriculum that we weren't allowed to share with anybody. But there was this definite push to come and work at his centers. But you didn't get paid to work at his different institute centers all over the world. You got to pay to be there. (laughs) And so I never went to the centers except for a training session, which that makes sense that you would get paid for that. But like if you wanted to work there, you literally had to pay to be there. And I had to pay to go and teach at his basic seminars to teach the children. I would pay hundreds of dollars. And yeah, some of that covered my hotel fee or whatever. But a lot of it, I'm sure, just went into pockets. And there you go. Now you have lots of money. But literally pay to be there for a week to teach people. It's it's very interesting. Like, aren't you supposed to get paid to work, not pay to work? And somehow that wasn't really a red flag, which is kind of weird looking back on it. But yeah, I mean, just... There can be a huge emphasis on tithing and just bringing in money. And this was also seen with Mark Skull, where he was just like blowing money different places. If you look at the podcast, they were talking about different places where he was like recording videos and he was living it up and just enjoying his high life and stuff like that. And it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting. Guys, a cult is a good place to be, which is weird, but you don't join a cult. And realize it's a cult. You join it because it seems like a good place to be. And there's this promise of really great things to come. And we totally experienced this with Bill Gothard. Like it was, you know, you're, you're getting the secrets to life. You're getting the secret formula for how to make everything work and have this success and blessings. In the FLDS, like you're getting to go to heaven. You're getting to go to Zion. You're getting to be able to be somebody who is a God in their own right, who gets to have their own world and their own universe where you're raising these spiritual children like there's a lot of things that you are being offered the creepiest part of the whole documentary to me was towards the end when there were some ladies who were kind of petitioning the news to get their kids back because a whole bunch of kids had gotten removed by cps because of allegations of child abuse and these women are asking to get their children back and there's like five of them sitting on the computer screen staring at me as i'm watching this And they have these fake smiles. Like I've never seen a faker smile. It's not reaching their eyes. And the one lady in the front says in this very sweet voice that I recognize because of Michelle Duggar. Thank you, Michelle. And I was also encouraged she's that kind of a voice because, you know, women are sweet and kind. And she goes, but we're happy here. We're happy. I'm like, you are not happy. Look at you, lady. You are not happy. But she felt happy. Like she truly felt like this was happiness. And she was so brainwashed to make everyone think like, hey, we're happy. We're Happy being the 25th wife of some old dude and having 13 children. Like, it's, we're happy. And there is this element of, like, this is a good place to be in a cult. Which is weird, but true. Cults believe that they have the real truth and that everybody else in the world is lying. That's just a warning flag, guys. If you ever get in a situation where somebody is telling you, like, we have the truth and everybody else is, is wrong. hui run but that was experienced i mean totally the slogan for the institute was giving the world a new approach to life like basically like we've got a corner on truth and we're going to tell you what it is messed up in a cult questioning doubting and dissent are highly discouraged and or punishable because if you question doubt or dissent the truth of the prophet or the leader then you would become a danger, like you are no longer a safe person. And so there is no room for that. And questioning and doubting is what ultimately led me out of Bill Gothard's Institute and his advanced training program and all of his lies that he taught. Because the minute you started to question, things started falling apart. And you were like, wait a minute, this doesn't actually work, which kind of reminds me of this weird Yeti movie that I watched, where <laughs> you should watch it if you're talking about this kind of stuff. I can't remember what it's called. There's like a Yeti and he's living up in the clouds. And they don't believe in humans. And like they have all these stones that tell you what the supposed truth is. It's very interesting. Good, Good parallels. So yeah, look it up. Yeti cartoon movie for kids. The leader of a cult has no accountability to any authorities. And this is something that I saw so clearly across all three scenarios. Whether you have Mark Driscoll, who has no one in charge of him. Like he's under no one. He's making all the rules all by himself. You have Bill Gothard, who for sure had nobody over top of him. He was doing whatever he wanted, and he was the ultimate leader. And Warren Jeffs, like, like he was, he was the bomb. Like he was the top dog, and he didn't even believe that he had to listen to the authorities in the United States. Like, there's literally a part where the lady is telling the reporters, "Like we don't listen to authority. Like we're not under the authority of the United States government." And everyone's like, "Um, yeah, actually, you are." So that's interesting. But this whole like set myself up as authority, you know, leaders in a cult are almost always narcissistic individuals who literally think that they are the best and there's no reason for them to follow anybody else's rules because they're obviously smarter than anybody else. So that's another thing to watch out for. Charismatic leaders these days, honestly, guys, terrify me. Like, I would rather go to a church with somebody who's just kind of boring and normal and maybe not the easiest to listen to, just kind of like, you know, a normal dude, than somebody who gets up on stage and is flashy and awesome and showing how cool he is. Like, that terrifies me, thanks to my experiences that I've had. I want nothing to do with somebody who is this charismatic, draw-you-to-himself kind of leader, because I know what that kind of power does, and it makes me super sketchy. Leaders and cults use shame and guilt and fear to control and influence their followers. Sometimes this is direct. Sometimes it's subtle and manipulative. But if you are being used and they are using shame and guilt and fear to control you, that's a huge red flag. Huge. And those facts stretch across all three scenarios like I've been talking about members are encouraged to associate and or live only with other members this is so interesting to me i mean the flds in texas have a commune they literally live on this ranch all together with a gate so that's like legit commune cult thing we didn't have necessarily like a cult place which i feel like this is people have a hard time thinking that gothard's thing was really a cult because there wasn't like a congregant of us we weren't grouped together we were worldwide, and yet we were very strongly to encourage to only associate people who are also ATI, Advanced Training Institute. And I very clearly remember as a young teen, like meeting somebody else who was from ATI and being so excited because I felt like, oh my gosh, like I can be super real with these people because they will understand me. They, they also have the secret wisdom. They also will get it. They know why we're doing these things, why we're following these standards, like have this, it was this weird like commonality. Like I was so excited to meet them. And then when we went to a church that was just filled with people from ATI, it was even more exciting. And so I think that's where most of my damage came was not from the actual program itself, but from a church that was completely caught up in Bill Gothard and his doctrine and his following of his cult. And so the idea that we can only associate that with people like us is scary. We. Need perspectives. We need differences in our lives that can just kind of knock us out of our own way of thinking, our own self centered, prideful focus of anything. We need people who are different from us if we're ever going to have a true perspective on the world. And so when someone is telling you not to associate with anybody else who's not like you or who doesn't have the same understandings or wisdom than you, like that is a big red flag. Run away. And finally, there are negative consequences for leaving and definite harm involved in a cult consequences for leaving in the flds they literally are told that they're going to be going to hell like if you leave you're now a gentile you're shunned and you're going to lose your entire family you're going to lose everybody and everything that you've ever known and that's it like you're going to be kicked out and you're going to go to hell there's no way you'll ever make it to zion and the celestial kingdom That's pretty serious, and I think that's mostly probably why a lot of them just stay, like they're scared. The girls who got out in the documentary, they had to really just push through that belief and that fear and just learn a new way of thinking, which is super, super hard if you have been brainwashed. For me with Gothard, it wasn't so much like there was a consequence from Gothard for leaving, but you just had this sense that you were like missing it and that you were now a rebel and worldly just like the other people that you were no longer holy and set apart and all this kind of stuff. And so for me to step away from it, I had to be willing to face rejection. And at the time, it was rejection not just from my community, but also from my family. I felt rejected for years. Like I don't think they ever rejected me quite as much as I felt it, but I did definitely feel like this rebellious person who was always questioning, always pushing back, always wondering, always saying things like I don't think that's really true. Like And so I had to be willing to deal with that and just be somebody who was considered this like rebellious outsider. And that's hard. That's hard. And to leave a church where you feel like you are the ultimate church in this area, like you guys are the ones with the answers, the ones doing it right. Once again, you've got rejection, you've got shame, you've got guilt, there's fear involved. And so there are these negative consequences, even if you're not actually going to be like killed for leaving or something like that, there's still negative consequences. And the harm that's done within a cult, even just psychologically, is devastating. It takes a long time to recover from. It's very, very difficult. So those are some of the shared characteristics that I came across from my experience, the creepy documentary, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, and also just from a church like Mark Driscoll's where there was just a lot of control and manipulation and cultic tendencies so this summer we're going to be talking about a few of my stories just things that happened over the years within the cult the craziness and yet also just kind of tying that back into just how we experience our christian faith in this culture that we're in so i look forward to that it's only gonna be probably three or four episodes and then i'll start fresh season um, in the fall i hope you're having a wonderful summer and until next time keep searching If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com for more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.